Well, this morning we're beginning a little, uh, little three-part series called Renew, and uh, the idea behind Renew is something that you're all familiar with, and that is everybody wants renewal in their lives, right? That's one part of the big deal that's made this time of the year. Uh, when the new year comes around, everybody's talking about resolutions and stuff, and all those resolutions and those kinds of things are about saying, I want to make some changes in my life. I want to be renewed and uh, renewed in the right way and renewed in the best way. Because one of the things that I'm aware of, you are too, is that when Christmas comes, there's a lot of hustle and bustle as, as it approaches. And we have all these lists of things that we've got to get done and things we've got to tend to, things we've got to take care of, places we've got to go, we've got to get packages wrapped, we've got to put lights on trees, we've got to put up trees, we've got to bake things. Oh, the list can be really long. And it can be exasperating and exhausting at the same time. I know some people who, when Christmas is over, they, they go, man, I'm glad that's done. Just because it can be so demanding. And right after that, on the heels of Christmas ending, it becomes the new year. And, of course, the new year is about the new you and starting things new and that kind of thing. And we talk about resolutions and such. And there's uh, always this feeling that, yeah, I, I really would like to be renewed in my life. And as we explore this little mini-series, Renew, I want to invite you to understand that, that the best thing that you and I can ever do to renew ourselves is to follow more closely after the person of Jesus Christ. That's the finest thing we can do with our lives, is to follow more closely after Him. If you really want renewal in your life, you've got to chase after Jesus. You've got to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You and I have to not pretend that we are followers of Jesus. We've got to actually follow him. And that's where the renewal comes from. Well, our worship team, when we gathered to talk about this series, uh, we, we uh, invited Mike Montgomery, who's a longtime member of our church family, to, to help us in getting this idea of renew across to you. And so uh, uh, we have a video that we're going to show you in just a moment of Mike uh, starting out a little project that is all about renew, taking something that is used and making it new again. Let's watch the video and listen. Well, Mike, it's great to have this opportunity to visit with you today. And uh, I see some wood in front of me. What, what's the wood about? Tell me about it. Well, I have a project coming up that I wanted to use some wood that uh, I hoped I could wind up with a fairly thick top on this project and this wood is used to lay the steel on on top of the big trailers that come into its warehouse. So if you're driving down the road and you see a flatbed 18-wheeler with a bunch of steel on it, these are the boards that are underneath that supporting that weight on that trailer. Right. And this Doesn't is, look like much like it is. No, like it is right now. Pretty beat up. It's pretty beat up. So right now this board is not straight enough and it's certainly not flat enough and it's certainly not smooth enough so the first step that I do is I run this board across a jointer plane and I take off the high places until it's flat on one side and then I'll turn it over and then I'll run it through a, a surface planer and I'll make the other side smooth and parallel with the original side. And then I'll straighten one edge on that jointer plane again 
and then I'll saw it parallel on the table saw. And when we're finished, it'll expose a very nice board that'll have pretty grain. It'll have some anomalies in it, a few knots and swirls in the grain. But when it's sanded smooth and stained and varnished, it'll be a very attractive piece of wood. So here's the way the wood looked originally. And then you get it through the planer and it looks like that. It makes us remember the power of God in our lives to because God can take us that doesn't look like much, right? And God can do something beautiful with us if we just let him do it, huh? There's beauty inside the, the rough lumber, and they call it dunnage, and it just is something. Does that mean you're done with age, or what does that mean, huh? That means it just has very limited value. So you're taking something that has very limited value and turning it into something that is really beautiful. That sh should be beautiful, and it should change its purpose and it should change its beauty and and that's what god does for us if we let him right right if we let him uh save us by the power of jesus uh he changes us into something new mm -hmm. that that has purpose and, and mostly what we have to do is get out of his way wow get out of his way i love that Hopefully you're aware that God wants to do something beautiful in you. And not just a one-time deal. Please don't misunderstand. This God doing something beautiful in you is about something that God wants to do in you every single day. And not just once a day, but throughout your whole day, throughout your whole life, God wants to do something beautiful in you and with you for your life to know its purpose and its future and the power of God in you. God wants to use you to reveal his beauty to everybody around you. The person that you meet at the store, the person that you see at the mall, the person that you run into in your neighborhood. God wants to use your life, the beauty that God has placed in you. God wants to use your life to allow that beauty to spread into the lives of other people so that they might see the power of God, the beauty that God put in you when he created you in the womb. You know, the Bible is a story about this beauty. It's about how God created us and how, about how we made the decision to step away from God because we know better than God. And the, the entirety of the Bible is the, the recurring of this theme, that God created us, that God wants to restore us and renew us, and that comes in and through the person of Jesus Christ. You Get that, I hope, that the power of God to renew is part and parcel of what the Bible teaches us, that, that God did for us something that we could not do for ourselves. Listen to the way Paul says it in Romans 5.8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a simple, short little phrase. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. But do you realize the monumental uh, statement that it's making? It, it's saying that God knew you, God knew me, God knows us and our sin, and even in spite of that, decided to do something about it. Because what God understood is that, that God knew that we could not do something about that on our own, so God had to intervene on our behalf. 
And that's why God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us so that through him we might find life and have the beauty begin to be restored in and through our lives. The Bible, as it begins, as, it, as God instructs us, begins to, to gather his people, the people of Israel around, and he begins to give them instruction about, about what we should do in response to what God has done for us. And, and it's called worship. Worship is, is what we do in response to God. We do it because of what God has done for us. And, and the Bible gives us that instruction from God, especially in the book of Exodus. Uh, we begin to hear about the power of God, and God gives instruction about what worship is all about, how and why we should worship. It's a wonderful gift to us. And, and, and in the video that you watched just a moment ago, you saw Mike running that board through the joiner and and the, the planer, and, and, and you could see with your own eyes what happens when you take something that maybe doesn't look like much, and you cut away the surface, and something beautiful is revealed beneath. That's what God wants to do in every single one of us. But the key to it is we have to be willing to follow the person of Jesus Christ. God sands away our rough exterior because of him. So we gather today to worship God because of what God has done for us. Listen to what it says in Psalm 145, verse 3. David tells us, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Did you know that about God? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. You cannot define the greatness of God. So we begin this morning by remembering that worship is about responding to what God has done for us. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So I want to invite you to, as we begin this morning, to to. Pray with me for a moment in response to what God has done for us. Would you bow your head and your heart with me for a moment, please? God, we've come into this place to glorify you, to honor you, to thank you. We've come, God, in response to what you have done for us. So we pray, God, that our hearts and minds would be settled this morning about the magnitude of who you are, about the unsearchable God that chose to reveal himself to us in the person of Jesus. As we worship today, God, may you be glorified in our thoughts, in our voices, in our hearts. May you be glorified in and through us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, part of God's instruction uh, comes to us and reminding us about the elements of worship. And in Exodus 19, we, are, we first learn about a musical instrument called the shofar. This, is a, this was a gift to me about six or seven years ago. It's a ram's horn that has been cut at the end uh, to be able to, to make some noise. And I'm going to make some noise in just a moment. And you'll probably say, yeah, that was noisy, Frank, because my lips are not all that up to this. But I'm going to blow on the shofar, you understand, as, as a reminder to us that we are here to worship and honor God. The shofar was used in worship. It was used in battle. It was one of the chief instruments that the Israelites used to proclaim 
the goodness of God. So we begin our time of worship with the blowing of the shofar. Well, it, uh, that was a noise, as I, I warned you about that, right? Uh, if I practice a lot, it might sound a little bit better, but you hopefully get the idea, right? This is a, a sound that is unique, that reminds us that we are to bring ourselves into this place to honor and glorify God. Let us worship Him in this time today. Now we're going to sing a song that many of you know that is a reminder of what worship is all about. I invite you to sing it as Kelly leads us right now.
Matt Redman is the author of that song. Uh, it came out in the late 90s. He wrote it as a result of something that, was ha that happened in his church called Soul Survivor over in England. Uh, the church had gone through a lot of worship wars. And if you're not familiar, worship wars are about some people saying, well, this is the only way you can worship with traditional music or contemporary music, you know, that kind of thing. And the pastor just got sick and tired of it. And said, we're going to do away with our band and with the instruments and with the singing. We're just going to come together to worship. And for a season, he said, we're just going to do without that stuff. And he challenged them. He asked them the question that day when he announced it to the congregation that they were going to stop all this singing. He, he challenged them. He said, I want you to think about what you're bringing to worship when you come in here to worship on a Sunday. Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And as a result of that challenge from the pastor, uh, Matt Redman went home at the end of that season, and in his bedroom, he wrote the lyrics and began the tune to that song that we just sang that would become a, a, a major blockbuster kind of song in the Christian world. And, and we sing it today to remind ourselves that we cannot come to worship because uh, of a particular kind of thing. We've got to remember that worship is about God. And you can worship God in a multitude of ways. We must not get caught up into thinking that, that there's only one way to worship because one of the challenges of thinking that there's only one way to worship is that we start going through the motions. And you know what it's like when you go through the motions. You start, you start losing the understanding of what you're doing. How many times have you been brushing your teeth uh, on a morning, and you finish brushing your teeth, and, and you go uh, 10 minutes later, and you stop, and you think, did I brush my teeth or not? Right? You, you've done that, haven't you? Because you're going through the motions. You don't think about what you're doing. Today, I want you to think about why we are here. We are here to worship God because of what God has done for us. When the music fades... And all is stripped away, and I simply come. And I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you require, O oh God. I want to ask you today, when you come to worship on a Sunday morning or any time that you come to a worship service, that the challenge for us is to bring ourselves and not go through the motions, but that we would be genuine in our time of worship together. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want to be real with our God who has done so much for us. Uh, my preaching professor in seminary, told a wonderful story that I've never forgotten. He talked, spoke about how his neighbors had a big dog, and the big dog was very friendly, but would get out and go away, and they did, the, the neighbor didn't have a, a fence in their yard, so when they would take the dog outside, they would chain the dog to the clothesline pole at one end. You know, anybody remember a clothesline, right? You put your clothes out to dry, right? And uh, they would chain the dog to the pole, and so the dog could only go as far as the chain would let him go, and as a result of that, the dog had worn a very serious path around that, uh, around that clothesline. And, and Zan tells then about how uh, at some point the neighbors got a fence in their yard. 
and the, the neighbors would then let the dog out, and what the dog would do was the dog would go right back to the circle that he had walked in, and it took the dog about a week to figure out the chain wasn't there anymore. He would bark at things, but he would only go within that circle. He would go through the motions because he did not realize his freedom in his life. We should not be about going through the motions when we gather to worship. We should be celebrating what God has done and what God is doing because worship is about responding to our great and amazing God. This morning, as we think about worship and the power of worship, we, let's remember that it's not just a Sunday thing. We get tempted sometimes to think that worship is only about Sunday. Oh, we're coming to worship today, but let's remember that worship is intended, the Bible says, to be something that we live every single day, 365 days of a year. It's not a one-day thing. It's not a once-a-day. It's not a one-hour kind of thing. I've said it many, many times. It is more important what you do when you leave this place than what you do while you're in here. Because that's where, where our worship really gets seen out there in the world that is around us. And it should be that as we recognize that we're supposed to be 365-day worshipers, that, that it would influence every aspect of our lives. How we run our businesses, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, our grandkids, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, the person that we meet on the street, the person that's checking us out at the grocery store. Everybody that we meet, we should be worshiping and so that our conversation with them should reflect what's in here. And part of that reflection is saying back to God, as a result of what you've done for me, God, I want you to mold my life. Worshiping every single day is about saying, God, I want you to shape me. Are you willing to be molded by God? Are you willing to be shaped by God? Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I want to invite you this morning to think about that true worship, if you're worshiping every single day, if you're worshiping as a lifestyle, that that kind of worship is something that, that honors God and that it's saying to God, God, I want you to shape my life. I want you to mold me. Every single person in here has something in common with me, and that is that, that one of the common denominators we share is that, that we like control in our lives. Did you know that about you? You know, we sometimes tease other people about them being a control freak, and they get out of whack because they're control freaks. But if we're honest, we'd say every single one of us is a control freak. Because if we're honest, we'd say if the world would run the way we want it to run, it's gonna be, it would be a great place. If it would just happen the way I want it to happen. It's about control. And yet worship is about saying, God, I want to let control go to you. I want to give up the control of my life. I want to give it over to you. I want you to order my life. I want you to order my steps. I want you to order who I am. I want you to shape me, oh God, to mold me, oh God. Part of what I struggled with last year 
uh, as most of you know, is some serious health issues in my world. And, and, and Christy's had a whole ton of health issues this past fall. And part of what has been exacerbating and frustrating and challenging in all of this stuff that we've been through here in recent months and last year is the lack of control. And there have been times where I've just kind of shook my fist at God and said, God, I can't take it anymore. And, and that is a statement that says, I want control. You and I have to be willing to give up control so that we would trust God with our future and our days and trust that God knows how to order our steps and that God would lead us to live our lives. It's part of why the church exists. Part of the reason the church exists is to help us recognize that, that we want God to mold us. That's part of why it's important to read the Bible, because it helps mold us. It helps shape us. Part of the reason that we need to pray is because when we pray, we're inviting God to mold us, to shape our lives. It's part of why we invite you to be in a life group at Lighthouse, because that's part of how we get shaped. God uses those groups to shape us as well. It's kind of like in the video, Mike pushing that lumber through the joiner. It, it, it looked pretty bad when he was first pushing it through, but as it came out the other side, wow, it was so amazingly beautiful, revealing the beauty that was there all along in response to this amazing God. So let's pray for God to mold us. Would you bow your head and your heart with me now for a moment? God, we pray that you would mold us, mold me, shape me, make me into the person you've created me to be, God. We pray this day that we would give up those challenges of control. God, we know that, that it's part of what we wrestle with often. We want control. But God, we're here today to remember again that, that if we give control over to you, that you do amazing things in our lives. So help us, God, in response to what you've done for us in Jesus. As a result of your love for us, God, may you shape us and shape our lives to be more, to be more, to be more like you, like Jesus. We pray this. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope that you understand that, that one of the things that happens when we take the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do here in a moment, one of the things that we're stating is that we're celebrating what God has done for us. We're remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. But I also hope that you understand that as you come forward here in a few moments to receive communion, that, that you are saying, God, I want to follow Jesus. And that means I want you to shape my life and my world. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he took the bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his friends and he said, take and eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. Jesus' body was broken. He died so that we would know the love of God, so that we would have the privilege of being shaped by God. So when you come and receive this bread, know that God's intent is for you to continue to be shaped to be more like that beautiful person 
that he created you to be so that other people might see his beauty in you. And in a similar way that night, he took the cup, which was part of the custom of that night, and he gave thanks. And after giving thanks, he gave his cup, this cup to his friends, and he said, take and drink, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. We do this in response to God because of what God has done for us. We do this because we want God to shape our lives. As you come, may you come in response. May you come asking God to shape you. Would you be bold enough today? To say, as you come forward, God, would you shape my life? Would you make me more like that beautiful creature that you created me to be? Will those serving please come forward at this time? Let me give a little bit of instruction. The host team will invite you to step out of your seats to come forward. All people are welcome to receive these elements. Please understand this is not... Uh, our particular table, this is an open table, meaning that everybody is welcome to come and receive these elements. You don't need to be a member of our church or of our denomination. All that is required of you is that you consider yourself a Christian. And that if, if that identifies you, you are welcome to receive. When you come, you'll just play, open your hands up and they'll place the bread in your hands and then you move to the right and you dip your bread into the cup and take of the elements and then you can go back to your seat or if you'd like to spend some time at the altar railing, you're welcome to do that as well. Bow with me in prayer, would you please? God, we thank you for this opportunity to share in this time of communion, communion with you. To thank you again for what you have done in Jesus and to be reminded again, God, of what it means to be shaped by you. We pray, God, that you would be honored and glorified in us and that our witness to you, the beauty that you would reveal in us, would honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We worship because of what God has done for us. We worship because we want God to shape us. We worship because we want to remember, we want to always be reminded that worship is intended to be a life. Our lives are intended to be worshiping. As I have said already, in everything that we do, how we manage our money, how we handle our businesses, how we talk to our kids, how we speak to anybody that is around us, we want, I believe, to allow God to reveal the beauty that is within us to others that we would encounter every single day. One of the strange things that happens, has happened in America, and has happened in many places all around the world, is that, that people have been lulled into thinking that worship is something that happens only on Sundays. When you read the New Testament... What the New Testament describes is there is no, there should be no difference in the way we live our lives between what happens on Sunday and between what happens on every other day of the week. 
should be no difference in that. We should be honoring God every place we go. There's no distinction that, that we should honor God in this place in my life, but I'm not going to honor God in this place of my life. We should be honoring God in every place of our lives, everywhere we go in whatever we do. The biblical example is that there's no distinction between what happens here and what sh should be happening with our lives every single day. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5, 20, that we should always give thanks to God for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. We should always give thanks for everything. It doesn't say some things. And it's challenging sometimes because we, we think, well, I don't really want to thank God for the pain in my life. I don't want to thank God for the challenges of my life. I don't want to thank God for those kinds of things. But no, Paul said, in everything. Give thanks. James says this in the first chapter. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Would you say that you want to be mature and complete? Would you say that about you? Yeah, I want to be mature and complete. And that means, if we're willing to say that, that means that I'm willing to look at every aspect of my life and recognize that I want to bring that to God. I want to glorify God, and even in the hard times, to glorify my God. And I believe that it's especially important for us today because of the shooting that happened last Sunday over at that church on the west side of Fort Worth, not very far away from us. I believe that we have to be a kind of church, the kind of church that, that doesn't shrink back against the, the slings and arrows of the evil one because the evil one wants to use experiences like that where people died to push us away from God and push us away from gathering to worship on a Sunday. I, when I got up this morning, and I've thought about it all week long, I've wondered how many people are going to stay away from worship today because of the fear of what is in their lives because of what happened last Sunday. And you know what that would be if people decided they wanted to stay away? Is that would be a great victory for Satan. Satan would love nothing less than to push us away from gathering together to worship because he knows that he's got a great victory when we, when we stay away. We will not be the kind of church that will shrink back in, in these kinds of experiences. We will not be the kind of church that will, will, will begin to live in fear and, and work in fear. No, we're going to stand tall on the power of God and the love of Jesus Christ and proclaim it to the world uh, till the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, every single day, every single year. For as long as I've got breath, friends, Lighthouse, as long as I'm here and as long as I've got breath, I will be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to this world. And we should all be in this together. We must gather ourselves. We must work together as his people, understanding that his love and his life and his light is something that we will not extinguish. Because the power of God is real. And we want to respond to God because of what God has done. And we want to be shaped by God because of what God has done. And we want to live lives that reflect our love for him every single day. Do you recall what the Bible says about what happened the day Jesus died? 
Um, in Matthew 27, verses 51 through 53, it says this. At that moment, the moment that Jesus gave his last breath, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And if you're not familiar, please understand this is a reference to the Holy of Holies, which was in the temple. And the Holy of Holies was, was, where, was where the Ark of the Covenant rested. It was the place they believed God was seated. It was the place that the high priest only went into one time a year. It was such a sacred place, and they were so afraid that if they were in the presence of God, they would die, that they only went in one time a year. And it was only the high priest. And I'm sure many of you are familiar said it many times before, part of what is unique about this high priest going into the Holy of Holies is that the high priest had a rope around his leg so that if he fell dead in the Holy of Holies, nobody had to go in to get him. Can't you imagine that discussion, right? You go get him. No, I'm not going to. You go get him. Hey, let's just pull him out with a rope. How about that, right? But on the day that Jesus died, the temple was torn the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing to you and to me that we no longer have to go into a building to worship God. We, we need to be worshiping God every single day with every moment of our lives. My invitation for you today as we think about renew and being renewed is to remind all of us again that worship should be the centerpiece of our lives. Not just on Sunday mornings, but every single day of the week so that God would continue to shape us, mold us, make us into that beautiful creature that he created us to be so that lives would be changed as a result of other people seeing the beauty that God has planted in you, in you. Do not let the evil one tell you that your life is worthless, that God wouldn't love you because of the bad things that you have done, that God doesn't care about you because of the station of your life. That God is trying to push you down or punish you or beat you up because of something that you've said or some place you've been or something you've thought. God is not a God of destruction. God is a God of resurrection. And that's what he intends for all of our lives. That we would live resurrected lives every single day. And as I said already, it is my prayer that with my life, even unto my last breath, that God would be glorified in me because he is so amazingly good. So I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing about giving God glory with even our last breath. Let's sing together.
Do you believe that on your lips, even on that last day, will be the praises of our God? Because on that last day, we'll, there will be a grand entrance into the kingdom that is eternal. And this is what God has done for us. The gift of life here and forever because of Jesus. May we sing with our lives that the beauty of our lives erupt and let us sing until our voices, our lives on this earth are gone. Amen? Please be seated. As you are aware, part of what the Bible teaches us is that we are to give financially out of our love for God as a way of honoring God, as, of a way of saying God, I want you to shape my life. I want to live my life 365 for you. So as our host team comes forward to receive the offering this morning, I want to invite you to remember that it is out of our gratitude that we give back to God. I want to remind you that we ask you to put those little connect cards in the offering basket when it comes, or maybe you've already registered on uh, your app, on the Lighthouse app, to let us know that you are here. Uh, hosting, if you would, go ahead and come forward as we prepare to receive the offering. Let's uh, bow our heads and hearts in prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity to give. When we think about giving back to you, God, with our money, it, it, it seems so small compared to the magnitude of what you've done. But God, you asked us to do this. You, you demonstrated to us, you taught us, you told us, God, that we are to give because of your love. So God, help us to respond by giving, not just with our money, but with our lives and every aspect of our lives, God. May we glorify and honor you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.